Oh, Miguel, play that the Japanese Spider-Man theme. Welcome, everyone, to Marvelous or the Death of Cinema, the last, first, and only podcast in the world. Uh, That's right. Today, joining me and Nicole That's is right. very special guest, Cole, uh, who is here to tell us all about the history and legacy of Your favorite uh, neighborhood Spider-Man. Oh, sh- I thought we were... Uh, what? I thought we were doing an episode on Alpha Flight. Yeah, Alpha Flight. I was just about you to know, ask, are you doing a bit or do you genuinely there is, forget there is for probably, a second? There's probably like no Marvel character that I that I could like, or at least most that I could probably do a decent a decent little summary of. Uh I could I, I could have done you know, if they ever do Alpha Flight, uh I have The all, fuck I is Alpha have, Flight? It is it is Canada's Avengers, essentially. Uh it's, oh, yeah, is that yeah. it, it, Wolverine? Wolverine was is a part of no, it. No, Wolverine's or, an X-Man. He's Wolverine, too Wolverine too no, yes. Isn't, isn't he was, he he was like actually the Canadian? He was actually yeah, see, very briefly is, in, in see, Alpha Flight. Stu, you're always trying to mansplain at um, me. I, be, I believe in the Claremont. Like brief, but he's not like known yeah. for being an Alpha Flight. No, time. he was it, like yeah. like first first appearance was was an X-Man, but then they like retconned it later that he was uh, he was a member of alpha flight that essentially got like recruited, like, like football scouted by, uh, by professor Xavier. But yeah, if you ever, if they ever put alpha flight in the MCU, uh, I have all of the comics downloaded. So, Oh, I haven't, I haven't read yeah, that. The, but, the uh, CFL of superheroes. <laughs> yeah. They're, you know, I've heard, I've heard good things about the, uh, the, uh, the opening run. Cause it's, uh, it's John Byrne, but, uh, I have, I have not read, Red Alpha Flight. I am familiar with the with the characters, though. That 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 Al, I feel like that was for like twenty guys in Toronto in nineteen eighty three that were just thrilled about the idea of Canadian superhero. <laughs> it's actually it's even more fucked up when it's like yeah th- this got to like issue one this got hundred and fifty issues that's how powerful holy shit to be, really is Alpha Flight has th- four volumes uh. And the longest run running for 150 issues, uh, or actually slightly less than 150 issues, uh, 130 was when they when they capped it, and then it was uh, yo okay. It has not had a comic book since I believe 2011, 
but I mean, there's really nothing worth reading after that. Okay, I because I have no idea what we're fucking talking about. I looked up Alpha Flight, and um, are you telling me we could have Sasquatch in oh, yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we don't? Sa- Sasquatch is so. Listen the fuck up. But no, no, you, you want my money again? It. They will. They Sasquatch. Will. I want some squatch. Give me some squatch. No, I, I, I need a man in a Patterson Gimlin suit if they're going to do that. Yeah, yeah no, they're going to need guys in. They're going to find suits. some way to to mess up Sasquatch because they managed to mess up the Hulk, and then and the Hulk is like I feel like easier to adapt than than Sasquatch. The Hulk uh, of of the like really high level Marvel guys, I've I've kind of come down the opinion that the Hulk is like at, at the conceptual level the most like the one of the most interesting ones they've got he's fascinating you know it's actually it's yeah. fucked up because growing up i hated the hulk i was like this is a stupid character i hate him uh he was my like, why did why specifically you know i just i it was too simple i was like i don't okay he's a, a, a big he strong guy that says and... dumb yeah okay. but then but then okay. I, I read more and i was like oh no there, there is a lot there is a lot here um you know there's uh he has like he has uh I believe that the term is DID. Um, Dissociative and, identity disorder. Yes. Yes. And the, the, the Hulk is like essentially a manifestation of his childhood trauma. Uh, it's, it's some fascinating stuff. There's a great, uh, and it just wrapped up the, uh, the immortal Hulk run by um, Al Ewing is some great reading. If you like Hulk. Uh, yeah. I've, I've actually wanted to read more, uh, more comics because I, I i always liked comics but i never had there was never a place i could get them as a kid yeah so they were like a very rare thing most of my early comics reading were all my dad's old comics that, from that the tracks, 70s yeah. through the 90s so it's stuff like but his stuff was like he had a few superhero comics he had some spawn he liked spawn in the 90s spawn, honestly I um, spawn, yeah. spawn's good stuff. yeah yeah my dad was because my dad at uh, Sate, the college in Calgary, he took an art class taught by Todd McFarlane's dad. Uh, oh, that's uh, right, because Todd McFarlane is from, also from Canada. He's like the top top comics guy in all of all of Canada. Uh, yeah, and you hear so he always you hear like, that accent on the Spawn the Spawn show yeah. he <laughs> on the intro section. It's, it's a ter- it's a horrible intro, but it's maybe my favorite uh, my favorite like live action intro to a cartoon ever because it's, it is so bad it's so goofy yeah i we had those on tape uh when i was a kid oh no so you, um, had, you couldn't you you know you couldn't fast forward that or you damage the the you know you wouldn't want to wear out the tape oh i i didn't know tapes were out when i was that age i was watching that stuff when i was like when when it was relatively new i was like nine, eight nine years old oh. <laughs> watching the spawn hbo series um I've talked about that, like my uncensored. So, like you know, and I read a bunch of like heavy metal magazines from the nineties yeah. in my early teens and stuff. Yeah, um, but that's like I didn't get to read like a lot of Spider-Man or Batman stuff until I was like in my twenties, and I would just get like the self-contained volumes of like yeah. really well-known stories. That is that is the curse <laughs> of comic books. Is like they were not getting collected in any way that was readable outside of individual storylines until like a few years ago, really like it's, it was, 
you know, they had, they would, they would try it, you know, they would be like, okay, we're going to do this thing that collects Spider-Man, but they would either be, or this thing that collects Batman. And the, it was hard to balance the, the, uh, the cost with the, uh, with the value, so to speak, where you would either have these huge volumes that were like horribly bound and would fall apart. And they were even in black and white. Uh, they didn't have, the original colors. They couldn't even that afford actually, to color it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Like, like tank of bonds almost. Or something. Almost. Yeah, yeah, like a that's a very similar, uh, very similar idea. That was actually how I first read Spider-Man as a kid was because they, those just ended up in library, like at any library around my area. Uh, it was like, you could get, you could get those and they would always be available because all the good Spider-Man were checked out, you know? And so... I didn't, yeah. I, I always, when I first was reading Spider-Man, I was like, this is in black and white to me, you know? Uh, and then I don't think that until, until like, probably, probably until I was in middle school or high school, I ended up actually like rereading the original Spider-Man uh, stuff in color. The, the way it was wow. meant to be read. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I had... Oh, so I was gonna say. I remember I had one Spider-Man comic I got when I was a kid, like just one issue, and there was a, it was a guy. Um. He he made he could make like dark clouds or something. And he had been. I I think it was like it was a, a then current book, so like the late nineties, early two thousands when I got it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna and say, the I'm guy to, had like, like. I'm like narrowing down my my Spider-Man knowledge. Okay, late nineties, two thousands. Yeah, and I assume he'd been a legacy character from earlier on because he'd been in prison for years, and he finally got Probably. out of prison, and it was one of those, like, he's trying to go straight, and then Spider-Man's on his case, but then ultimately lets him go because he's trying to go straight, I think was the gist of it. Dark cloud. And this, this that's one a, issue. That's, a, I, that's not ringing any bells. could be playing tricks. Um, I just I remember some kind of black blotchy things associated with his power wait a minute um uh hold on hold on hold on was it spot maybe i don't remember uh, i just i just remember like i i mean may, like, part of my brain wanted to say it was one of the lightning or electricity guys but that, i don't think that's right yeah um, it's possible i know electro there is actually some some weird stuff with electro and prisms uh, i don't want to Give away too many Wait, wild ass Spider Man. Jamie Fox Electro. <laughs> it, the oh, the, the so, best so thing about that. The, the uh, best, the only really good thing about those Spider Man movies is just Jamie Fox with his gap teeth and a, the, the power bar on the side of his head. So different. Yeah, actually, because that was, that was the first, that was the first black Electro. I don't even think he was black in the. Uh, in the Ultimate Comics, which is where a lot of the uh, a lot of the designs and and backgrounds come from in the Amazing movies, I, and in, in uh, oh, okay, yeah, I read that somewhere. I think in the very cursory, yeah, uh, research I did for that episode. Yeah, no, that Electro is a fascinating character because uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is he was uh, he he like turned gay in prison. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, there's Wait, a, explain. Okay, explain. so uh, I guess before b b jumping the gun a little bit from uh, from introducing the character, there's this uh, Spider-Man or Iceberg that was done by a friend of mine, 
Uh, Twitter okay. user at Ben G Connolly has a Spider-Man iceberg that gets into some of the most wild uh, speculation. What's what's an iceberg? You know, like oh, the iceberg, know, you, the oh, iceberg, the iceberg, yeah, iceberg meme with the oh, okay, that took me a second. Yeah, he has a Spider-Man one, and he is he is like like the goat when it comes to information about Spider. He, he he was like I I used to have in my bio as a joke like nobody understands Spider-Man more than me, but uh if i'm being serious he probably he probably does because he's a he's like an old school forum og and he's taught me stuff about the character that is like level 99 spider-man knowledge but electro there is a scene in uh one of the 2000 spider-man comics where electro gets out of prison and uh he's taught actually like talking with i believe I believe Spider-Man at a bar, you know, it's a very similar plot to what you described where he's trying to go I, straight. I, I'm just, I'm just picturing any scene in cruising. I was like, like cruising, <laughs> but God. instead of, it's a instead, similar instead, like Al Pacino is Spider-Man. <laughs> I would watch the fuck out of that movie. It's, it's a, Cru- it's a cruising's great already, plot. but like, you just, just, yeah, I, I would like to see uh, Spider-Man. Uh, adaptation of of uh, William Friedkin's cruising. Well, that'll be the move now when they're trying to get yeah. artistic oh, legitimacy yeah. for these movies. Absolutely. It's like, well, you know, it's it's it's, it's only like, good as a shit post. It's like forty eight hours, but in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, I don't think they're ever going to go do like a cruising sort of movie. No, I think that would, that would require them to have sex in the movies. But yeah, they don't really want to do that. It's it's Mishima, but in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh yeah. There's a so there's a scene. In- he's, he's lying there on the floor, bleeding out with the sword in his chest, and Samuel L. Jackson comes in. We're putting together a team. <laughs> there's a scene from uh, Marvel Iron Man. It's, he's gay man. <laughs> Marvel Knights Spider Man issue number two, where uh, Electro is talking to a shape shifting prostitute. Uh, and of course, you know, she's going through her range, you know, she's like, I can do, you know, Mrs. Fan- I can do Sue Storm, you know, Scarlet Witch, uh, all the all the fun, you know, fantasy characters. And he asks for Spider-Man. Uh, oh, shit. You know what? Well, or at least me thinking like how like because that's that's an official that's an, an official Marvel trademark yes. comic. Yeah, they used to. Which it, it's that's songs. something we never really have like touched upon before. Like these, co- like the comics themselves have been allowed to be very graphic. That in yeah, a way, the Disney brand, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe can never that's, be. That's what stuff like Ultimate and Knights and a lot of these kind of per- like parallel universes and and, uh, mm-hmm. and offshoot brands was for was so they could. Get yes. into the yeah. post, like the the nineties and two thousands edgier comics. It's fascinating thing, right? because comics, comics, yeah, comics have a history of incredible censorship, especially when it comes to oh yeah, the comics stuff. code. Yes, but even then, even at the comics code's height, I would still say it probably allowed for more leeway than than you had in a Marvel movie now, uh, where absolutely it's like these, you know, you were. It, it's different in some aspects, like. You know, you can have black people in your comics now, or in your comic yeah, book movies, yeah. But you know, they definitely had more leeway when it comes to like sexuality or 
uh, even just like depicting, you know, eroticism in any way. And Spider-Man has always sort of been at the uh, at the forebear of that. Uh, I mean, like like censorship. At, or yeah, just actually, like actually, that kind of content. Because Sp- I would love to hear about the, censored Spider-Man. Spider-Man was one of the first um, the first comics to go without the comics code uh, in the seventies. Uh, there was oh, a, a four interesting. a four issue run. You probably honestly read it if you've ever read Spider-Man. It's right before Gwen Stacy dies, and it's when. Uh, it's when Harry's on drugs and he's he has to go off to rehab. <laughs> I've never and heard of the storyline, but yeah, it's it's a what, great it's a great drug? PSA. Uh, you know, I think oh, I think it's like uh, I think it's supposed to be some sort of opiate. I don't remember if they actually say <laughs> it's or not. it's Let just me pull it up. Yeah, it's it, actually you know what it was. I I believe it was LSD. Uh, it was oh, like LSD, okay. yeah, but it's like so pill. It's in pill form for some reason. Uh, I'm addicted to popping acid. Uh. Yeah, and this, is, this is like the hip, presumably like early '70s. So. And yeah, and the uh, sort of the uh, how do I how do I phrase it? like sort of the myth is that this was this was an act of defying censorship, and it is it is partially true. But the thing that you have to yeah to get around it with Spider Man yeah. is that Spider Man is like the greatest the greatest flim flam that Stan Lee ever pulled out. Like he, he crafted Spider-Man who was, was like a very flagship character, but he turned it into a legend because he was able to. Actually on, on that note, sorry, it's just on that note. Um, yeah. I, before we dive in and like actually really get rolling, uh, has anyone else connection been kind of rough or they've been a little bit. Okay, well, it's it's, it's working better. Good, like, like okay. noticeably better. Okay, awesome. Um, so on that note, I just thought let's on the note of of, of Stan Lee and and his yes. uh, uh, all time scamming. Let's 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 go uh, do some elder abuse. Turn back the clock and watch all the people in fast motion walk backwards and buildings deconstruct <laughs> themselves and the sun whip the wrong direction across the sky. We're going to we're going to do what uh uh Clark Kent does at the end of uh Spider of uh, Spider uh, Superman of, uh, <laughs> of the first Superman. Yeah. 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 And let's let's go George, all the way uh, back Christopher to Reeves. Uh, uh I guess right around the time my uh, parents were born, so like 1963, yes, I think, 63, I, 64. Uh, 1963, I think, was the uh, was the first year. You know, I actually just closed out of my comics, so uh, now I can't check. God damn it. One hold second. on. Uh, I actually just had the Wikipedia article up, and yeah, 63. 63. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, it was like a few months before before JFK got got. Uh but Spider-Man, yeah. Uh, does well does Spider-Man have yeah. any excuse for where he was that day? You know, prob- in probably York, in, in New York and in <laughs> high school, I would assume, because uh, <laughs> at least in the beginning of Spider-Man, he is, uh, I believe, fifteen years old. He is a sophomore in. Uh, uh, it's a high school in Queens. Yeah, I I want to say Middletown High School or something like that. Uh, Midtown. I mean, Midtown, yes, he is a blue-eyed uh, second year in high school when he gets bit by 
none other than a radioactive spider. And the behind the scenes stuff for Spider-Man is fascinating because Yeah, so what's what's yeah, what's like the context here? Like Marvel is as a company relatively new or yes. rebranded. Uh Marvel has rebranded. Uh they've been around since about the you know, the twenties. They've practically always existed. Uh but they haven't ex- they haven't been doing well. Especially not on the superhero front, which they were a little bit late to, at least in the like pulp uh, World War Two stuff is concerned, where they you know they had some stuff, they had some some well selling stuff with Captain America, but uh, the superheroes yeah yeah was more or less uh, DC's game. Uh, Marvel was much more. We're gonna do anthologies. Um, Okay, and some of these anthologies spawned superheroes. Uh, Doctor Strange was first in an anthology series. Uh, Spider Man, of course, was on the last issue. Strange Tales, right? I think it was called. Yes, I believe. Spy. uh, Yeah, actually, that's a good question. What? I'm I'm not a Doctor Strange head. Hold on, let's. um, Tales to Uh, Astonish, maybe. Tales. That was Iron. Something. Yeah. Hold on, let me. I, have I thought it was straight up like Amazing Tales or Amazing Amazing stories, Fantasy. Like Spider Man was Amazing, it was amazing fantasy. fantasy. Yeah, Spider Man was yeah. Amazing Adult Fantasy, which was later shortened to Amazing Fantasy for that last issue. And sort of the commonly associated myth with the creation of Spider Man is that uh, it was an overwhelming fan outcry that that saved him. You know, it was like, okay, this this we have we're going out of business. Or at least this this one title is. Let's do a superhero story, and then it's so well received that they give him his own magazine. And it's 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 to, to a certain extent the broad strokes are true. Uh, that was the last issue of Amazing Adult Fantasy. However, there were some plans to give Spider Man his own book, uh, and essentially they were going to use. Amazing Adult Fantasy as a test bed. However, they had already started work on a Spider-Man series that would, of course, uh, go on to be a huge hit. That that part is true. I can't I can't deny that part of the myth. Uh, you know. Also, people loved their Spider-Man. Yes, yes, they did. They they really did. It was it was mostly a Steve Ditko creation. You know. Uh, I think at that time they were still doing the Marvel method where stories were more or less drawn first or at least rough, roughly drawn first. And then the script was essentially beaten into place. You know, uh, I, I think what people they do now with their movies pretty much actually. Yeah. That is, that is a very, <laughs> a very good way of looking at it where it was, oh, it that's was just, almost, you're just talking about coverage. Yeah, it was almost anti, uh, anti like literary in a way where it was like, okay, this is, this is a picture book first. And, um, you know, people like to say that, oh, you know, Steve Ditko is basically the sole creator of of Spider-Man. And I, I, I am more in- inclined to agree with them than people who are like, you know, it's only Stan Lee. But it was, it was a collaborative effort, just not as, not a 50-50 one. It was more 70-30. Uh, I, I mean, with yeah. Stan Lee's track record of claiming creations that aren't his own, yes. Yeah. Like well, or at least cutting out the the co-creators. Yeah, down downplaying a lot. Yeah. yeah, especially especially when it's something that he can then sort of paint over into his own life's story. Um, 
you know, like he was, he wasn't, he wasn't out there like outright, you know, chiseling people's names off, but he was definitely a Stanley production with, you know, whoever the artist was. And producer yeah. credit and cameo in every exactly. Marvel movie. Which I think, yeah. did that start with the first Raimi Spider-Man? You know, actually, that that is something that, at least the cameo uh, Yeah, because that was a tradition that, that carried over through, like, multiple yeah he had had some he had had some cameos and other stuff uh nothing nothing all the way through like i don't i don't think he was in the roger corman fantastic four he's in no of course not just as himself but he was he was in uh i know he was in the hulk tv show uh i'm not sure if he's in the briefly lived spider-man tv show uh that would i I actually haven't seen that it's like the only uh big sort of piece of early spider-man media that i haven't seen outside of the japanese show is the uh the american yeah that japanese that japanese show is like very interesting because they're you you know a lot of examples like power rangers is like a big one where american or like you know an Mm english-speaking country will take like a japanese television show re-edit it with like newly shot content starring a diverse cast of teenagers uh so it's you know power rangers so to to hear that like i don't know just what like old like bootleg kind of media used to be yeah. in uh just like uh, like kind of like the reverse yeah it's it's fascinating stuff i will we'll definitely uh, the, we'll definitely have to set aside something when we that, get that. Into, could be like a whole thing. Is 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 like Japanese company license companies licensing these properties? Yeah. doing their own. It happened like, a lot in, interpretations in the 60s of seventies. That was like the hot thing. But it's actually there's, there's like a Batman manga. Isn't it's it, great. It's, the Batman manga is fantastic. I I actually just read it a few months ago for the the first time all the way through, and I mean it's it's great. It's a little bit like. It, dated even in its own time period because it came out uh i believe in the late 60s so batman was already sort of about to enter uh it's like neil the neil adams run which really solidified a lot of the the modern character but it's great you know if you like the adam west show it's a very similar similar vibe uh although it's a little bit more a little bit more japanese yeah uh so with with spider-man so what is kind of what what sort of what like major kind of tonal elements uh plot arcs uh sort of stereotypes of storytelling define early 1960s spider-man especially in contrasting with the character as we sort of recognize them now from more recent cartoons easily easily the smartest the smartest idea that stanley ever had with with spider-man was uh, almost like not hiring comic book guys, like superhero guys to write Spider-Man or, or draw it. Um, famously, you know, even though he was a comic book guy, Steve Ditko was mostly working on um, the anthology series at the time. He did a lot of stuff for their sci-fi anthologies and for their horror anthologies. So when there's a monster or some sort of, you know, sci-fi menace in Spider-Man, you really get, uh, you it, it, it's it's done with a hand that's familiar with the genre, so you have almost a, a genre bend to the Spider-Man stuff, and this really kicks into overdrive when after Stanley departs about a hundred or so issues in, 
uh, he gives the gives the book to uh, to a couple of different uh, different writers, but the the one that did did it the longest was uh, was Jerry Conway, and immediately before him, okay, he had uh, and sort of in the defining Spider Man run, his the art primary art details were done by uh, John Romita Senior, who even though now is thought of, especially with the, with his son basically being like the uh, comic book guy, he's more thought of as a as a cape shit guy or as a cape comic guy. But yeah. now, or at or in the seventies, he was mostly known for romance comics. So oh, yeah, which you is have- yeah, you know what? Because there was uh, this is something I actually know. Uh, like because during World War II, while men yes. were off fighting, a lot of uh, a lot of like female led comic books popped up and then after the men came back from the war and there was no more need for uh women buying up the majority of like comic books uh like on like at home or mm-hmm. like they lost that audience and especially like they kicked all the women who were actually working on those comics out yep because they were replacing the men and so a lot of these female like superhero flagship uh series were re- converted into like teenage relationship kind of like mm-hmm. an archie comic kind of thing yeah i mean so there was like a lot of those uh the character hellcat who appears in the jessica jones show mm-hmm. uh was yes, yes was essentially like a uh was like a romance comic character and then that later became part of her backstory when she became a superhero where it's like she is now like essentially an ex-child star almost because she's yeah been... they kept that in oh the, that's in interesting it's it's great stuff it's it's really great stuff they do they touch a lot of it on the uh the west coast avengers run uh some of it's even in the recent iron man run that's actually not terrible um but the the easily the, the greatest strength of spider-man is the way that it's able to uh, to balance the slice of life stuff with with uh, both genre horror and with superheroes, and I think that that is the sort of secret sauce that Spider-Man had to uh, become one of the most popular characters. You know, because you had you had stuff like Fantastic Four, uh, you had Batman, you had Superman, but none of these really uh, ever catered towards you know teenagers in love the way that spider-man did and that's a part of the spider-man mythos that is like 100 percent accurate like you can't refute that at all like that was the secret sauce was being like what if what if archie had to fight again more you know like that (laughs) spider-man has with with that basic setup when you put him in high school Mm -hmm. and, and everything like that is an element that's like familiar to a lot of really popular manga right exactly shown in manga and stuff yeah, Spider-Man is kind of like a shonen protagonist. And I think that's why he translated really well overseas was because it was something that they were familiar with. I mean, it's, you know, they definitely put their own spin on it. I think that was like the first Sentai series or something. Uh, I don't know. Kind of. The Spider-Man show, really. Yeah, I, I'm fairly certain that that like invented the Sentai trope of like jumping in the giant monster or, or giant robot and fighting in, in the giant a suit. monster. <gasps> Yeah, I don't. No, I don't want to. I don't want to right. like, talk out of my ass and have like. You but know. no, that makes like sense because I did like not even five minutes ago bring up Power Rangers just off the top of my head. 
Yeah. So I, I there's there's definitely we don't have any so, hard proof in so front like of us. Stuff but like common rider might be like yeah. a descendant of what they initially did. Yes. With this yes. Spider-Man there is. Show. There is. I mean, there's there's DNA there with both. Yeah. You know, just the fact that like they are masked characters, but I I'm pretty sure that the Spider-Man show is the connective link essentially between Western Cape shit and is um, Sp- and Spider-Man Eastern big Cape in Japan. Shit. Yeah. Oh, that's super. Actually, you know what? It was the first one. It was it. Uh, it came no! out a year a year before the first Power Rangers series. Or, Miguel, oh, throw in some uh, uh, celebratory horns there because we were right. We didn't do any <laughs> research. We were just like, hey. Yeah, there was there was the Sentai series before it that uh, that you know they had they had people in costumes fighting, but. Spider-Man was the first one to have the giant robot fight scene at the end uh, that later became a staple of um, of the token an, genre. An entire yeah. genre. An entire yeah. genre that now is miles better than anything in the Marvel it's Cinematic great. Universe. I was just yeah. I was just watching uh, some Godzilla movies last. I'm about to go put one on after this. Uh, Stu, did you see Shin Ultraman? Or no, no. It's, pro- oh, it's, yeah, it's probably not playing anywhere near you, but it's, it's, no. it's great. It's, it's uh, great. If you, if you have access, it's it's very possible. It's it's incredibly possible. I, I should check. I just I unlike Godzilla, I have I have no context for Ultraman. I, I that is the either. best way to it's watch still, the show. It's still slaps. Oh, it is? Yeah, okay. that is yeah. the best way to watch it is have no context. And then you can go back to the original, which I believe is a streaming on Tubi, which is, uh, you know, that free. Oh, that free Tubi? Tubi <laughs> yeah. Or not Tubi. And um, to be the poor man's Criterion channel. It really is. It's great. I love it. Oh, sick. Uh, so getting back to Spider-Man, um, uh, in terms of this era, are there any big uh, like plot kind of kind of definitive character moments or elements or characters introduced? Uh, I, I, you know, with the, that with the Ramana run, uh, you have especially, um, as it, as where, where, does, where does this put us timeline wise when uh, Ramada takes over? When Ramada takes over the art, I believe it's still Stanley writing, but or at least providing something. It, it, it's the division of labor with comics is you have to sort of read in between the lines where to fill. If it yeah, says like story by, but it doesn't say script, then it usually just means uh, that, that they were in the office at the time. Uh, I believe, and, and Stan uh, came in. It's just like, what if he fought a rhino? Yeah, <laughs> and no, he he. Then he said Excelsior, and he turned around. It's, and it is actually very funny that you say rhino because I believe Rhino is the first uh, is the first Ramada drawn series. Uh, or, <laughs> I oh, thought you were going to say the first figure. Russian. <laughs> no, I, I, he, he is actually not the first the first Russian. Uh, no, no, definitely not. Actually, I think I think Spider Man's very first villain was Russian because the uh, the first super villain he fights is the Chameleon, uh, who I don't think has ever of... been in any of the like nope. big screen iterations. Too much like the lizard. He was actually he was going to he was he was uh Raimi had him tapped on the shortlist for Spider Man Four, uh, where it was either going to be there was a Spider Man uh, Four. There was almost there was, a Spider Man <laughs> theoretic- Four, like. Like it was like oh yeah oh wait okay I was thinking Spider Man yeah. five yeah no you're right I, for some yeah. reason I I was thinking of oh yeah Spider Man Raimi stopped at like two even though I know there's no, three yeah. I, I I really do that. need to rewatch the third one because I wonder if it like 
if it holds up a lot better in retrospect, I don't know. It's, but maybe compared it's, to like the deluge of shit, it's definitely now. not horrible. It's definitely not the worst thing in the yeah. world, like people made it sound like. But um, at least in my opinion, there's like a lot, a lot to be to uh, to be desired with that one. But uh, yeah, with the Robin's run, I, I believe in the very first issue that he takes over the the character uh, is the first appearance of Mary Jane, or at least the first. Uh, the first facial appearance of Mary Jane, and the funny the funny thing about her is she'd actually yeah because they didn't teased. name women yeah she had been teased <laughs> uh, like twenty issues prior where and this is this is something that I love about Spider Man is that um, they take that they take this from from romance and from mystery comics where a character will like a background character will suddenly get bumped up to uh, someone super important in the foreground uh, or someone oh, okay. that's just named. Um, and Mary Jane is the most obvious example because uh, his aunt will constantly be like, "Hey, uh, there's this girl named Mary Jane. You should you should uh, hang out with her. You know, she's a friend of my of of an of an old lady friend of mine, and uh, you know, we just think that you would get on great." And Peter is convinced that his aunt is trying to set him up with some busted old lady. And <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, to my understanding, at least because my my main frame of reference when it comes to mm-hmm. Spider-Man in general is the Raimi movies and Kirsten Dunst's uh, Mary Jane Watson, I understand is a very different take on who it's, she is. There's, in, there's in the some, comics. there's some through lines, but yeah, it is, they do take some where she's race. like, yeah, in the movie she's very much like girl next door, but girl next yeah. door who like so painfully is down bad for Peter Parker. And he's just so like, so teenage boy up his own ass insecure that he yeah. doesn't notice it <laughs> in in this it, it, in a in a great reversal from from the films it's it's him who's the arrogant one where he's like you know this this girl that i'm being set up with is ugly and then finally he can't run from it anymore and he opens the door to greet this ugly woman and uh the famous you know she's standing there and oh, says yeah, like, face it tiger. face it tiger you just hit the jackpot uh, why? Why do which you think is, she was going to be busted though? It, it's it's actually it's it's really a dumbass Peter moment because uh, his other friends. <laughs> when Aunt May set him up with a like with a, a a woman who looks like a dog's ass, like yeah, it's it's the funniest. It's one of my favorite issues of Spider Man because uh, the issue after the face reveal, he is just hitting himself in the head like mentally. Because he's like, oh, what a, yeah. what a fool I am for this. You know, I should have. Because uh, his other friends yeah. have met her at this point and have been like, no, you should do it. And he is convinced that they're all all messing with him. Um, Although, too, I would not trust either of them. I love my parents, but I would not trust either of them to set me up on a date with somebody. I, I would not. Either. I, I get where Peter's coming from, but he should have, he you know, at least looked. What like yeah with the way he was just like oh this woman's gonna have like a baby arm coming out of her head yeah fucked up like <laughs> me- you're gonna have like Bobby Peru's teeth just so mostly at, gum. at this point in the comics is is Gwen Stacy dead or are they doing like a love uh, triangle there was a love tri- in fact uh, so I believe Mary Jane was introduced issue thirty something or issue forty something um, Gwen Stacy did not die until issue one hundred and twenty one uh okay Ooh, so there was there was, there was a, decent, 
Uh, yeah, I that that one's on the dome. Uh, have, having the Lego Gwen Stacy Abbey will do that to you. You never you never forget. That's <laughs> that's your nine eleven. But yeah, there was a there was a love it, it, triangle. And Gwen Stacy's like your girl, right? She's I, I'm I'm team I'm I mean actually I'm I'm team Gwen in that like it would have never worked. It was like it it the chemistry was too perfect, but everything else about the relationship it just wouldn't have worked. And that that that's that to me is the essence of the tragedy of the character where it's like yes she's she she could have been saved yes peter did fuck up by you know grabbing her in that way and breaking her neck and but also if he did if he didn't if she didn't die uh it would have never worked and that's the that's the real tragedy yeah about the character at least to me um was was there ever like a a, a reason behind the scenes that they they killed her off um, there was uh, a couple reasons. There were most, a lot of it was because it was, they were too afraid of having Peter, having someone else know Peter's secret. It was still, too, they felt it was still too early for another character to know Peter's oh. secret and live. Um, because the way that they were setting up the character, it was like, Peter has to tell her eventually. Like, there's no, there's no way that these that this can never work out because she thinks that spider-man is a menace she thinks that uh that you know he's responsible for the death of her father that he, he's responsible for the reasons why peter's been so distant and so emotionally unavailable and to a certain extent she's right but she doesn't know how right she is and that's the that's the real like you know uh okay Roy Lichtenstein so I, I style I didn't know that she was on that, like the the thing with her dad. Is her dad a cop? And her dad is a cop. Is, is, is it also Dennis Leary? It is not Dennis. Le- in fact, he's like huh. super old in the comics, and it's it's kind of like get over. It. Like it's like he's like eighty. He's like Aww. eighty billion years old. He walks with a cane. <laughs> he's like a he's a like police oh, captain. Oh, he's been like Harry Dean Stanton. It's, yeah, it's so someone. funny that you you become in in that era. It seems like you become an old man when you turn forty five. You do, yeah. There, it's like it's once once because Jay Jonah is like f- supposed to be like fifty seven in that comic, and he's, <laughs> at least in the beginning, you know. Uh, and yeah, once once you once your kid is old enough to talk, like you do, immediately become an old person. Um, but yeah, the the real tragedy uh, that they were that they were unable to resolve was was that was like. It, they had already had it so that Peter was going to propose to her. Um, but then eventually they decided, well, oh, let's just kill her. Um, that must have that must have hit pretty hard for the kids reading it when it, it was uh, at the time. It, it hit yeah, pretty I mean, hard for me when I was yeah. like seven. Dude, I remember <laughs> crying. I was like in tea. I was like, because I had no frame of reference. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. The, the, the boomer generation's uh, heiress death. Absolutely, yeah. That was that was their that was their nine eleven. That was the worst thing to happen to New York City up until up until the real nine eleven with Spider Man's girlfriend dying. Um, and she, she, yeah, the love triangle there is great because it's a it's a very Archie comic style uh, love triangle. Yeah, Betty, Betty and Veronica. Yeah, where they're they're friends up until love is involved. You know, uh. Uh, and they actually, uh, speaking of characters that get teased out uh, early in advance, 
Uh, this is another great piece of, of tidbit from this uh, the Spider-Man iceberg is Norman Osborn is actually in the background of a bunch of scenes before he's actually named in uh, this is still when Dicko out. had it. So there's a bunch of scenes of um, of J. Jonah Jameson hanging out at a country club. And if you look in the background <laughs> Yeah, because he because he's like he's an aristocrat. You know, J. K. He's, Simmons he's at a country buddy. club yeah. as Joe Jonah Jameson. And he's a cousin to the Roosevelt. You put and your left every... hand in, you take your right hand out, you get me pictures <laughs> of Spider Man. Yeah, ex- exactly like that. Uh and with the uh, with the introduction or with each one of those scenes, you see in the background Norman Osborn, and then he later, uh, shortly before he passed away, was like, "Yeah, that's that's intentional." You know, that was a character that we were we were building up. Um, okay, so they did have like long arcs they and, did. in mind and things that they wanted to 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 layer in and get to. Okay, that's the- I never knew to what extent those kind of things were planned out or or thought of ahead of time they were they did they definitely didn't have manga lead-ins you know where a character will get telegraphed a hundred issues before but i at least in my opinion the amazing spider-man is one of the most readable uh comics mostly because it's very self-contained um they don't do a lot of retcons until uh until like you know not after 9-11 and then you then you don't even have to read any any spider-man comics after 2001 you could Oh my god, our thesis works. 9-11 ruined superheroes. It did. 9-11, yeah, it was it was definitely something that ruined American culture. It ruined American culture. It was almost impossible to come back from. You know, there's a few comics I like, but after after the second Obama term, it's like, yeah, there's that you don't if someone recommends you a comic after that and they don't have like the best instincts possible, they're probably like it's probably not gonna be great. But Spider-Man is, is we'll, super we'll, self-contained. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I should just sit down and read all yeah. these ones. You can burn yeah. through them a lot faster than it looks. You can. You just, like, download a CBZ. Um, so let's... Um, yeah. Well, I'm because... So, uh, actually, before we, we move on to the 70s, um, what are your thoughts on the 60s cartoon? That that was, like, that was like big for, like, so my the, parents' the generation. The 60s cartoon is fascinating. First of all, because uh, I believe the last two seasons, uh, Ralph Bakshi was the chief uh, the chief animator. Oh wait, really? For, really? Yeah, that was how he got his start. Actually, in animation, was he was, oh, the, he was like a okay. storyboard guy, and then like when it all came to when they were looking like they weren't going to do it anymore, he became the lead animator. Um, they're great. They they are more or less just straight adaptations of issues of Spider Man. Uh, there's not a lot. Of difference there i don't think there's too many original characters in it from what i remember either uh it's been so long since i've went through them but i know that they like when the lizard shows up it's more or less completely accurate to the lizard in the comics uh when electro shows up it's almost exactly the same as the first appearance of electro they are more or less motion comics almost with uh with a little bit more motion than your typical motion comic. They're great though. If you want just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little like <laughs> watching reruns of that as a kid. It's, it's not crazy expressive, but it's, it's definitely it's like better speed than racer. Just, uh, Although I, yeah, I think, I think those probably, there was probably some like crossover even then between like the Marvel animation or, and those aren't the animated series of like the sixties and seventies and like 
anime because they definitely had like overseas farming out animation to japanese studios i I know know in the 80s they did it a time it was at least it was at least before the 90s because i know like the 90s was when it was peak like half the people that worked on the batman animated series were like korean um yeah it was it was weird became the thing in the in the into the 80s and 90s but because i know a lot of anime studios would like supplement their income yes um by doing American contract work, and it paid. Better, I know it was big. I know it was which big. Is crazy. In the 80s. It oh, actually, really? yeah, oh, it, it did. It did just because the dollar was so strong at the time, and they were being being paid. Oh, in that makes sense. American money. We actually just had a conversation about this, where yeah, like uh, the comic books are are fascinating because they're they're almost kind of woke when they farm labor out to the third world. Like I don't want to say like like they weren't poverty wages. Like they were good money for the time, but eighty percent of it was just because they were being paid what people in America were making, which sucked. But for them, it was really good. As um, the, yeah, as, as a as a Canadian, I get a little bit of that sometimes. Yeah, yeah like when I when I send them the Patreon further. money. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's a form of like becomes weird 50 corporate, uh, corporate almost like uh, being progressive on accident, where they're. They just haven't figured out that they can exploit the third world yet, so they're getting a yeah. A oh, just just deal. pay what we pay our guys. That's already pretty cheap. Yeah, and it's like with these five American dollars, I will buy a house. <laughs> and I believe the cartoon was the the cartoon was the first, uh, the first animated or the I'm sorry, the first uh, adaptation of uh, of Spider Man of anything. Oh, um, okay. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's was... that's something I'm really interested in is like the different either adaptations or different attempts to adapt Spider-Man. Yeah, like, the, so the like, first one was like the learning cartoon. Toby Hooper was supposed to make a Spider-Man movie for Canon Films. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it probably would have been oh, shitty, man, but like would have been like <laughs> there were there were multiple shitty, but budget Spider-Man films in the in the 70s and 80s that were pitched. Um my yeah the first the first adaptation was the cartoon which came out uh in the 60s so it was before even i I think there were still it was like ditko only you know it was early yeah i think the cartoon is like the 65 or 66 and it goes for a couple years yep that 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 sounds about right to me because um yeah let me look i'm just gonna look at like like around the same time as star trek i think basically that sounds yeah that sounds right to me I, I don't. I don't know. The, I'm not 100 percent on the dates on those. But we uh, we we don't need to have that nailed in. More nah, just the progression yeah. of events. Um, yeah. So, moving into the 70s, or what? What do we have of note, both behind the scenes and and in the characters' lore, and with um, like the context of the industry? Like, what's what's going on with the comics industry and with superheroes in the 70s in general? Well, that's, that's good came to the right place Sorry, probably like yeah. a really broad question so just no that's kind of that's that good I'm, I'm just briefly i'm just briefly getting my spider-man from uh the timeline down okay so yeah so gwen stacy died in 73 super early on in the okay. 70s uh spider-man okay i i always thought it was earlier i thought it was still in the 60s i did too actually, actually. i had to double check um so okay yeah so spider-man is now uh in college at this time um, finishing Gwen Stacy's dead. Gwen Stacy's dead. And America has lost its innocence. Exactly. Uh, Spider-Man is. They're still trying to recapture the love triangle magic, but it really doesn't 
hit the same and we still have another decade before he's married so there's a lot of love interests here a lot of revolving door uh kind of stuff with just like you know people who are there for three issues that worked at like the you know the same building as him uh and spider-man the comics take on a little bit more of an overt genre uh affiliation in this one where you do have more superhero stuff but because of the popularity of stuff like horror and stuff like uh like sci-fi in the 70s you see spider-man uh take on a lot of horror inspired characters um there's uh, is this where where venom comes in or is that venom is actually venom is late 80s uh we still have late late 80s okay to go okay never never mind you're, you're good uh, so the one of the first arcs after Gwen Stacy dies is uh, the return of the character Moon Wolf, uh, who is essentially like a werewolf from space. Uh, it's it's uh, he's actually yes. he's J, he's, he's awesome. J Jonah Jameson's <laughs> astronaut son, and he oh uh, yeah he has an astronaut yeah. son that was uh, he was gonna marry uh, Mary Jane Spider Man yep. And in this oh, one, right, in this right. one, he's not trying to marry Mary Jane. But yeah. he is a werewolf, uh, and this is, this <laughs> That's is also awesome. yeah. This is also when you have stuff like Tomb of Dracula and the very first Blade comics coming out. So a lot of stuff is turning more well, just horror weird shit. Or overt sci-fi. Exactly. Oh, that that this would be the era where they introduced that that extremely popular beloved Marvel character, Morbius the Living. That is oh. yes. It's Morbin time. Morbius had one appearance uh, before Gwen Stacy died, and then after that, he's in like uh, probably a dozen issues. Uh, yeah, how integral is, is Morbius the... to the Spider-Man lore? Surprisingly integral, actually. Uh, the first arc, <laughs> the first <laughs> arc, <laughs> oh no, it means Jared is... Leto's gonna be in these movies now. Yeah, the the very first arc that he uh, that he appears in is. The uh, you've probably seen pictures of it. It's the arc where Spider-Man gets six arms. Oh yeah, oh. I, I know a lot of these stories from the '90s cartoon because they would go from the, the. It is very the '90s cartoon adapts this very similar, uh, where it, it is kind of merging two two arcs together. I think he didn't have six arms. Uh, by the time I remember the, the thing also the in the nineties cartoon where he just like turns into like a wear spider for a while. Yeah, that uh, that uh oh, that happened, okay. which was cool. I, okay, I think my cousin had this as an action figure. <laughs> yeah. He uh he he gets he gets six arms. Uh Morbius shows up. Morbius is very, very essential to that arc. Similar to in the nineties. Uh in the seventies you also have the first appearances of Black Cat. Um the first appearance yeah so was she is she is is she just them copying catwoman from batman a little a little bit but with riz like uh, the uh (laughs) it's it's kind of this the stuff with the the thing about copying that's so funny with comic books is half the time it's like it's it's somebody's like friend that's doing the copy because comics is a very incestuous genre where all these people were like spending a lot of time with each other so the copy becomes almost like a form of a form of flattery in a way. Um, okay. The I, most the most yeah, popular it's, it's a... uh, example of that is, of course, Swamp Thing and Man Thing, 
both came out in comics in the same few months uh, in the same year where uh, and they're both loosely inspired by a character called the heap who was uh, in uh, around in the world war two period. But yeah, they're both creatures made out of plants and the guys, the reason why there was no lawsuit ever between swamp thing and man thing is because the creators were roommates at the time and they didn't want to have <laughs> They yeah. didn't want to have to go through <laughs> pissing each that's, other off. That's adorable. Yeah. So they were like, well, I'm not mad about it. a swamp it. that becomes a man, and one's a man that becomes a swamp. Exactly. And so they didn't. They were like, we're cool with it. We're not going to sue. And then they both had to tell their Marvel and DC not to do anything about it. Um, but yeah, no, it's 70s. 70s Spider-Man is where you get the the sort of the character and the tone that will stick with at least uh, the f- entire first volume of Spider-Man. Like that is that is really where the character is most solidified in. You know, you're not having uh, an arc every three uh, three years where the character has to be like, oh, dude, am I am I gonna still be Spider Man? You know, he's it, we're we're set in our ways. Uh, and yeah, that's he's he's con- he's sort sort of congealed into a very recognizable exactly. Form. And you see okay. this a lot with the fact that you get the most adaptations in this time, at least the most potential adaptations in this time. Uh, you have the um. You have the Spider-Man uh, television series, the live-action one that I think only ran for twelve-ish. Or okay, so it, thirteen episodes. So uh, didn't do crazy, uh, but it did. It was the first, uh, the first live-action Western portrayal of Spider-Man. I believe the uh, the Japanese show uh, came out about a few months before. And it solidifies a lot about the character. You get uh, sort of the first filmed web slinging, um, which they actually just straight up just got like a guy on a rope to swing off a building. Hell uh, yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's fantastic. Nice. <laughs> There's a, I'll have to find the tweet, but someone posted all the like stunt work from the show. And it is actually really impressive what they managed to do on a tv budget but you can really see why it only got 13 episodes because the production value is <laughs> not great there was also the first attempt to bring spider-man to film uh there was the uh the amazing spider-man tv movies uh that were that where they they chopped the episodes together from the tv show and oh so that's a cop to, out to market that i agree I'm with you. I was actually wrong. Uh, the The 1970s live action TV show came out a year before uh, the the Japanese show, and oh, you have okay. my favorite uh, film Spider Man attempt, and also my like Spider Man Holy Grail, which is the very first live action Spider Man film. I believe it's called Spider Man versus Craven the Hunter. It is considered lost. Oh, yeah, media. Craven. Uh, you can, yeah, Spider Man versus Craven the Hunter. Uh, it is Spider Man Lost Media. Uh, it will probably also, unfortunately, never be found because uh, it the creator uh, is the only person who has a copy of it. But 
It is a student fan film by students at uh, NYU University who were fans of Spider-Man at the time attempted to, they were first going to just make a short film. Um, and then they found out that more and more members of their class of their film class were Spider-Man fans. And uh, NYU is also the basis for Empire State University where Spider-Man lives. So they were like, let's try and all do this huge collaborative effort. Uh, and it eventually blossomed into a full blown 90 minute, student film oh wow holy shit um and they even got stanley's blessing for this uh they got the blessing of their entire film department who then later like they they rented out central park uh they got zoo animals the to to feature oh my god yeah this was this was like insane the new york community came out for this movie it's it's insane. You mess with us, you mess with all of us. Uh, <laughs> and Stanley gave it his blessing. There was even they even did like an interview with the cast and crew, which is where the only images from the film exist. Uh, and because of that, uh, and then later, actually, after the film came out, they screened it at a comic convention to rave reviews, and then got cold feet because they were worried if they tried to go further with development, they might have to pay some sort of royalty fee or uh, screening fee or something like that. So they never showed the film again, except for a few private screenings uh, for individuals. And yeah, that's the lost Spider-Man fan film. It's supposed to supposed to just fantastic. gotta put that out on torrents, you know, all no all yeah. possible deniability, right? I it's it's just yeah. on oh, this man. hard drive somewhere in this this guy in the creator, uh his name is uh Bruce Cardozo. And he actually he later got special effects jobs in Hollywood. Uh he actually ended up working on he did special effects for the Avengers and Captain America. Uh, as well as wow. his, I think his very first work was doing like some like gopher temp shit on uh, on Empire Strikes Back. But this is like my like the aesthetic of this film is unlike anything you see out of Spider Man because it's the only thing that's a live action period piece with an actual budget. Uh, I'm gonna send some pictures in the chat. Uh, and yeah, you, yeah. Oh, let's you, take a look. Yeah. You get to see because yeah. the TV show, the TV uh, show is audio-based podcast. <laughs> yeah, look up, look, uh, viewers, go to the Lost Media Wiki and look up Spider-Man versus Craven the Hunter. Uh, this is actually the first image of the cover of my uh, Spider-Man playlist on my on my comic server. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Oh, nice. That's adorable. I love that. Yeah, it's nice. It's, nice it's grimy got a sixteen millimeter. Exactly. Yeah, sixteen millimeter. Uh, they even they took a lot. Of shot in New York like them. an Abel Ferrara movie. Exactly. They <laughs> oh, took a lot. Oh, of, Abel uh, Ferrara's Spider Man. That would go go crazy. That that would go hard as fuck. <laughs> yeah, and they they had like a costume division that was using sketches provided by John Romano. Like they got, they they just gave them all the sketches that they like photocopies of the sketches that they had. Uh, 
there was I, I was gonna have the spider signal which almost never shows up in anything ever, ever anymore. oh yeah he has, um, he has his own yeah he has his own signal yeah it was an insane production and it's just lost forever i guess the uh the climax of the film was going to involve a lion uh fighting spider-man which sounds sick oh my god oh shit See, so he he begins really being that bit, but that that's like be... symmet- symmet- symmetrical like storytelling you know just yeah. get your powers by being bit by a, a tiny bug and then maybe i don't know have him get well, Mary, Mary Jane always calls him tiger, and a yeah, lion is, is the kinda. dialectical opposite of a tiger. I agree. Um, yeah, I'm actually. That, I'm, that, this, that feels that's like a thing that could not happen now with with a character like this, where the the rights holders just kind of let you roll with it. Like yeah. they're so uptight about that shit now. Uh, it's a real. Oh no, he died. Oh, oh no! no he died. He died. Oh, fuck. Oh no! This is probably lost for. I had no idea he died in twenty fifteen. That well, now they're not going to release that. Oh, I don't know. Maybe one of his kids has that hard drive. Dude, I got it. Got it. It was undisclosed. When was this? When was this edit happened? When did this? I need. To, hold on. Now I'm trying to. Because I, I swear to God, I looked at this and he wasn't. Or, I mean, he was dead, but I didn't know he was dead. Breaking news. Oh no, dude! That that bums me out. Oh man, because that that makes live, yeah, live did, death reaction. He did, yeah, for real. He it's, did that uh, sucks. A bunch of work doing doing scanning uh, for the CGI on Avengers, Captain America, and Thor. Uh, and you know what sucks most of all is he never got to see as shitty as it is. He never got to see Spider Man in the MCU. Because that happened yeah, the that... year before, uh, before it came out, so he never got yeah. to see. Um, well, he, he he got to imagine a better movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he got to die, die with a dream. He did. Um, he didn't. He didn't get to see like the ultimate twink version of Spider Man, basically. Yeah. Tom Holland and the frog so, he keeps in his mouth. Would you say uh, for this era in the in the wider like DC and Marvel comics yes. world, what are there any kind of defining like? like well, no, this is no, so like, this you, is you, the like, end of at least classically speaking. This is considered the end of these. The seventies are considered the end of the Silver Age. You know, because you have the uh, the Golden Age, which was like any comic that came out before like nineteen fifty is considered a Golden yeah. Age comic. And then you have the Silver Age, which runs from from about the fifties. Some people place it at the uh, when the Comics Code came in, which I actually don't know the year for that. And then uh, after that, uh, the, the lines get a little bit more fuzzier because there's not really a distinct moment when comic books transition from the very the Silver Age. You know, it's it's goofy. Uh, and wild and out there because it has to be to more of like okay we can we can tell a story uh, that means that maybe even means something in in comics which is the hallmark of the Bronze Age uh, which is my personal I, I'm a huge Bronze Age comics guy anything from like the 70s. yeah and that's so so the 70s is where we transition from. The Silver Age sensibility into uh, the the eighties yes. and and Sp- um, okay and Spider Man was always sort of the forerunner of this. Uh, 
Spider-Man stories, of course, I mean, it was partially because of Stan Lee uh, being like a uh, someone who wanted great things for Spider-Man. Uh, the drug issue was actually something that was requested by the Nixon administration. Uh, and that was why he was able to take the comics code sticker off was because he essentially had presidential authority. Uh, yeah, for, to, to tell a don't do drug story for a don't do drug story but I mean before then you couldn't even mention real drugs you know it all had to be you know monster juice and things that were entirely they're, they're hopped up on the gee whiz and now you have uh, you know and there was there was some definite lo- uh, line tiptoeing in Spider-Man there's a segregation issue there's, there's multiple issues about racism in general um Oh, so Spider-Man's woke people. Yeah, actually, Spider-Man was usually more often than not on the wrong side, which is oh, is kind shit. of oh no, it's where they would in a, in an inch, he's he's almost an Archie Bunker like character where he's wrong, but he's he has people around him that educate him and teach him the right things. Where oh okay, uh, okay so now now him thinking oh, like the classic. He, now him thinking Mary Jane's going to be an Ago makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's he's the character that goes through the 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 worldview transformation exactly along with the audience exactly in the segregation issue or actually there's an issue about uh, about students' rights on campus that is, that is a little bit racially charged because they they make most of the protesters black people and you you see Spider Man he's like he's almost he 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 sympathizes with them but he's he has that very uh, old school notion where it's like, well, but you shouldn't complain about it in this way, you know. And it's like you're going about, yeah, it in the wrong yeah. Way. It's bad, but 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 don't don't uh, make noise. Exactly. And and then you would have characters, and this is what's great about his friend circle, especially in the '70s, where you have the uh, the quote unquote coffee bean gang because of the uh, they would mostly coalesce in this this hipster coffee shop. Uh, this fictional hipster coffee shop in a basement in uh oh my god okay they they had their like friends hangout exactly <laughs> and um, actually exactly like central Park. that is the exact vibe is y'all know is that, what that cafe and friends is named yeah my mom it's it's on the window yeah in every exterior <laughs> shop. my my mom is a huge friends <laughs> friends okay head, so i I watched it so much growing up. It was on TV a lot yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, and you have you you have these these wide cast of characters all with their own opinions. You know, you have uh, the the wealthier the wealthier couple, which is you know Harry Osborn and Gwen Stacy were both wasp coated. Uh, G- Gwen was a little bit more middle class, upper middle class, like uh, you know uh, suburbanite kind of type, and then you have Peter, who's poor but very sheltered, so he doesn't understand a lot yeah. of these issues. And then you have uh, Flash Gordon, who is a little bit more of a of a youth uh, firebrand kind of type, who eventually goes off into the military. Uh, they do a, they do a lot of interest. And then you have Robbie Robertson. Wait, wait, his name is not Flash Gordon. Oh no, Robert, Flash Thompson. That, oh my name God. Flash. Flash oh, I yeah. can't believe I made that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Flash. Flash Thompson, uh, no, some relation to Flash Gordon, a little bit of relation to Flash Gordon. Uh, they have similar origin stories, although I like Flash Thompson's a little bit better. Um, <laughs> and then, and he's, another he's great thing about Spider-Man, he is he is a bully, 
he starts off as a bully, but he gets then, he gets more of a character in the comics. I, I exactly he he and Spider Man or he and Peter eventually recon uh, reconcile. Is that the word? Reconcile. Reconcile. Yeah. yeah, and they they become friends to the point where uh, there he is essentially part of the gang. He, Peter even lives with him for a few issues after he uh, loses Harry's apartment. You know that swank ass. Uh, bachelor pad that they had and then after Harry goes away to rehab uh, nobody's paying the rent and Peter can't afford it and then you even have uh, you even have people of color in the in the group where you have uh, the, the son of, of uh, Joe Robertson right the uh, the African-American second in command to Jay Jonah his son is is friends with Peter and he's very much a like Black Panther, you know, left wing, uh, like like the the, the organization, not yeah. the, not the character. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. The, I probably should have <laughs> specified that. Yeah, he's he's the one who's he does like a like a sit in uh, protest uh, that turns into a riot uh, in, in one of the issues, um, and you even have then you have like the, the the older supporting cast. You have you know the people at the Daily Bugle. Uh, and the people and Aunt May, and they're all giving their opinions on these issues, which really gives it like a holistic uh, sort of survey of, yeah. of people at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah a kind of representative cross section, um, which, which actually sounds really that's really really interesting to read in retrospect. It's fantastic. It's fascinating actually because you have because of all these relationships, characters don't move and act in the way that you expect. There's a there's an issue where J. Jonah Jameson is supporting this like obviously racist uh, DA or whatever uh, because he's tough on Spider-Man. And then eventually, um, through through the whole issue, he he figures out that like oh this is like a this is a bad guy to the point where he tries to threaten uh, the you know Joe Robertson the the his African American uh, editor in chief you know. And that's the like the the switchover point to where now he's protesting against him with all the these like these young uh, hippies and shit. It's a yeah. very fun image of seeing old crotchety J. Jonah Jameson. Like, you gotta <laughs> Just, get these, these racists out. It's 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 great stuff. Yeah, and then uh, you have uh, finally, or not finally, but next up, you have the eighties in which. Spider-Man, you know, they've set they've set the character, but now you have the the people playing with that. Yeah, so let's um so going into the 80s, what's kind of the shape of the comics industry writ large and the culture? So um, going into the Bronze Age, the the first biggest thing that's happening is that comics aren't really a big tour the, the the big dogs are are threatened now because uh partially because you have a lot of uh of of young people who maybe didn't have the connections or didn't get a comics job with Marvel or with DC now they're able to go off and do their own thing because printing pr- prices have gone down uh the the market has opened up there are uh, there's now the the direct market, which was 
as you guys probably know at the comic book store market where now you don't have comics that have to be on newsstands so you can have comics now that are only for adults that don't have to uh apply to any sort I, of censorship yeah I, yeah i so never you, really yeah kitties aren't gonna before. pick it up yeah, yeah, I never thought about that. That originally comics were like something you'd buy at a Seven Eleven or, or exactly, or, you know, with those yeah newsstand or something, and that the the store specifically for it was not a thing until this point. It was not a thing until until, really until the eighties, basically. Um, you know, there was okay, there was there was some stores, but yeah, it wasn't a huge thing, and you didn't have people making books directly for these stores. And then you also had the direct magazine market where you'd have stuff shipped to your house and. The the four the forerunners of that were sort of were your porn mags, you know, it was your Playboy, your Hustler. But eventually other people started to get into it and see avenues with it for comics where you could have something like a horror comic that was actually scary and it was actually horrific. And because you could that get was, around the comics code. Exactly. Because it was legally classified as a magazine. And sort of, so, so it's sort of like for comics what OVAs were a few years later exactly actually exactly like that yeah it really helped open the market and that competition was was a good thing it was it it led to a lot of new talent getting first their start on uh independent books and then later eventually graduating into a spider-man job or the batman job uh guys like neil adams did the indie circuit first uh frank miller all these people yeah. did uh, did indie okay. stuff, and the, it, even though it existed in a small degree in the seventies, the eighties was where it really exploded. Where you had comic book companies were actually uh, saw these people as a legitimate threat, and so that that manifested in a lot of different ways. Uh, the first is you had uh, comic books trying out uh, mature reader audiences. I think DC was the first where they did a uh it's now known as the black label but they did a uh a set of mature audiences books about mostly not about uh main, mainstream cape comic characters a lot of them that, were, that'd probably be too risky for them they yeah uh, yeah it was it was a gamble they, they first started off with a lot of under underused pulp characters like the shadow uh, Doc Savage, they all got mature audience books because they were for audiences that grew up with the character. And then you had uh, Hawkman and Green Arrow uh, and uh, The Question, characters that were popular but had gone underused now for some time. And then so eventually, it's like low risk to exactly. send them out there. Yeah. And they would the get. The Question's one of the guys that's. Uh, Rorschach is based on right. Yes, yes. The Charleston, the Charleston lineup of uh, Captain Adam, uh, Nocturne, uh, Blue Beetle, I Blue think. Beetle, and a, cu- a couple others. Captain Captain Adam. Uh, not to be confused with Black Adam. Not to not to be confused with Black Adam at all. Uh, although there is some uh, overlap with. Uh, Superman, as well as with uh, the DC character Firestorm, was Lucy okay. based off of Captain Adam, uh, and so you had all these characters that weren't getting used, uh, 
you had guys like the shadow doc savage you had um characters from even from like world war ii like the black hawks which were like pilots they they got mature audiences and this was to compete against uh publishers like um i think the biggest at the time were eclipse uh there was also some uk comics that uh i'm not even gonna try oh, like 2000 AD. yeah 2000 ad uh heavy metal was it was a huge one Oh yeah, heavy, of course, heavy metal, right? The starting heavy the metal. Heavy been. metal was the biggest shakeup in comics because not only was it it was for adults, it was something that you could buy and get it shipped to your house. But most importantly, uh, at least to the the people writing comics or drawing them, was these were artists and comic book writers that had done like no cape shit. So, so it looked like nothing else that you were getting. They hadn't. They hadn't gone through 10 years of having to make their comics look a certain way because they're working at Marvel. These are guys with their own unique art style. Really, yeah, really yeah. distinct voice. Like, I, I read, a, cause I, the, the heavy metals I read were mostly from the 90s as a kid. Yeah. But, like, I, I read the first issue. I was, because uh, I think it was you who posted that link to all the high resolution. I did, yeah. You got, you got my of part. heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, sounds I'm like I am just going to go through these over time because I, I really love that shit. He's been uh, trying to great. push them on even to me. From, even from the first episode, it's like, or first issue, uh, there's like really, yeah, like really dramatic, very distinct yeah. art styles and storytelling styles and tones. Like, yeah, these were guys um, that were complete outsiders. And so to cope, you had, you saw a lot of mature audience stuff. Uh, Marvel did their epic line as well as their new universe line uh dc did the mature audience line uh you know you and had, then and then in the 90s they'd do vertigo they would that. do vertigo, yeah, vertigo, yeah, vertigo like dark horse vertigo was the spin-off of that yeah dark horse which i think got it start publishing uh i think that TMNT was in that was in Depend was their first big one and i think that was founded by artists mm-hmm yeah. yeah, and 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 then the See, biggest one things. now, but that's yeah. yeah, that's getting into the '90s. Sorry, but yeah, yeah so I, I didn't know that in the '80s they had other yeah the kind 80s, of versions of that. The '80s um, was was huge for comic book companies that would show up, dominate for like a year, and then they would be gone because there was just like they would burn through so much money, or you know there was there was a dozen different reasons. You know there was Eclipse, uh, which mostly burned through their money. Uh, with rights issues of characters uh, as well as uh, just like outside competition. There was uh, just going to go through my, my it just sounds a little like the game industry in the, in the nineties. Yeah. It's very, it's very similar. And like the games industry, a lot of them would like, try and dominate just in one genre because the competition was so fierce, you know? Uh, so, was... uh, so, oh, sorry. No, you're good. I, I, I was just going to keep listing alternative publishers, <laughs> but it's like, that, that's, that's <laughs> not important. Uh, like, yeah, it gives us a sense. Like now we're getting like really creative stuff, really adult uh, yeah. stuff. Uh, and now Spider-Man, has yeah, to do as, with a, as a as a as a flagship because I think Spider Man's like from inception been like a Marvel flagship. Yeah, Almost, that's, yeah. that's the interesting thing to me is just like why because it 
like we think of the the canon of like these big superhero movies and of course you got the superman which with christopher reeves and then mm-hmm. batman but i i really wasn't like those are both dc characters but yeah it wasn't really until the raimi spider-man came along that i think like a marvel like superhero X-Men. proper the brian singer it, x-men yeah we, we don't talk about well we don't talk about the we haven't. Well, it's, that's that's true, but also it's Brian. X, X Men. X Men was was always like a close second behind Spider Man. It was. Um, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my mom read. I think what was into the X Men as a kid. I, I know it was like she would. Uh, she she got invested with my big sister and yeah, know, the biggest, with the nineties X Men cartoon. Yeah, but yeah, it seems like Spider Man were... is the IP that like Marvel has really hung a lot of its like stakes yeah. on it's been like the most like lucrative for them and it's the only, just, it has that yeah, je ne sais quoi to it it's it does like yeah, kind of does. i can't describe like compared like when to the I was, other when i was a little kid i remember feeling kind of like it was like you know in 60s rock music it was like you were like a the who guy or a rolling stones guy mm-hmm. and 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 based more on cartoons and action figures and stuff when i was like a little kid in the 90s it felt like you were kind of Spider-Man or Batman. Yeah. That uh, Spider-Man is always, was, is the only one who's like all always dominated. Like for a while, the DC flagship up until the late nineties was Superman. They were like, they were caught off guard yeah. when the Batman show like made, uh, or the Batman movie like made money and was winning awards. They were like, what? Huge. Massive. Yeah. And before that, it was all Spider. I mean, if you look, like Seinfeld has jokes about about Spider Man or about people being into comic Superman. characters other than Superman. It was like yeah. it was seen as insanity. And Spider Man was the Marvel version of that. It was always it yeah. was always done done well. Uh, I, I don't think there's a period in time where it's had bad sales. It probably does well even now. Uh, I'll be oh, absolutely. As much lower, as anything does yeah, for yeah, at a lower, Marvel and DC comics, lower threshold. I mean, by by far, it has the best. Like you know, you have these in these Spider Verse movies, the mm-hmm. animated ones that, and the only you know, shockingly, the the one solid thing Sony has managed to produce mm-hmm. <laughs> on their own. It's it's um, funny that bring up Sony because yeah, the only reason oh, they got, it was Sony. like a, it was a. A struggle for them to get those rights. They, oh, so no Marvel wonder was, they don't want to give them to anyone else. When Marvel was going bankrupt in the nineties, they started selling off all of their characters' film rights. Because, yes, uh, like like dirt cheap too, dirt for, cheap. compared to what they're worth. And Spider Man was like the last one to part with. It was like that was their baby. You know, they because there had been been attempts for people. Michael Jackson tried to buy the film rights for Spider Man. <laughs> of uh, course, he did. And make a Spider-Man with himself <laughs> as Spider-Man. Do you have a joke? <laughs> with himself as Spider-Man? What? Yeah. No oh my god, that's so funny. He was a he was oh, a cop. No. That, is, that that level of ego trip though, like I'm gonna make myself Spider-Man. I'm gonna, Spider-Man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sling on my webs. And I'm gonna wrap up little boys. Yeah, they, they didn't the Spider-Man. only reason why he he didn't get it because they just didn't want to give it to him. And so eventually when Sony came uh, out, not the molestation like, accusations. No, that was way, that was I think that was, okay. I think that was, that was, that was, that was, oh, yeah. 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 When he, you could be accused of something like that and your career wasn't tarnished forever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that, that brings us to Spider-Man 
Uh, I think there's an, another Spider-Man cartoon in the 80s. Right? There was. There was Spider-Man and his and, friends, I believe. Uh, or was it the 70s? Uh, did, did that have... No, Spider-Man in the, the early 80s. Animated Friends was 81. So, yeah. yeah there was did, that. Did that have much of an impact? Is that even worth discussing? You know, it, discussing? it did. It did and it didn't. Uh, it, it led to the popularity of the characters Iceman and Firestar, who were only picked because... Uh, the animation rights to the Fantastic Four were at a different company. And originally the plan was for it to be Spider-Man and the Human Torch because they're friends in the co- they're best friends in the comic. Yeah, because you know? I think there's like a thing with early on in the Spider-Man has like a, a arc where he tries to join the Fantastic Four. He does. That's the very first. That's actually Spider-Man issue one is when he tries. To, oh, that's issue one. That's okay. issue one. It's him trying to join the Fantastic Four. Uh, and then Doctor Doom even shows up a few issues later. Uh, to mess with him, it's a, it's a great issue. He thinks that Flash Thompson is is Spider Man because he's the only one that makes sense, you know. <laughs> and uh, so he kidnaps Flash Thompson as as Spider Man, and then uh, it the real Spider Man shows up, and he's just completely dumbfounded. But yeah, you had Spider Man uh, and his amazing friends in the eighties, which. Uh, did well, you know. It ran for three seasons. There was also a uh, that's a big good run. A Spider-Man solo TV show, which ran for one twenty-six episode season. Um, and yeah, I I never even knew about that show until I was like skimming Wikipedia somewhere because like the sixties yeah. Spider-Man would get reruns for like to like fill time in the middle of the night. And, um, yeah as like a retro nostalgia thing. And then there was the nineties, like when I was a little kid, it was like the, the, the nineties, the Saban produced nineties cartoon that went sort of hand in hand with the X-Men one. Which, which was the one um, that all the memes are from? Is that the sixties uh, one? Or the, the, okay. one. Yeah. The sixties yeah. one. And sometimes the eighties one. Uh, Cause they, okay. But very so, um, the sixties. So what, what, what kind of, what, what are some of our big uh, moments either as a as a as a product or as a character in his stories. I'll, I, I'll, I'll start with period. the with the character because uh, that sort of actually I, you know I'll start with the product because that spins out into the character. Uh, so spins. I see what you did there. There you go. Spins you out. Go. Like what do you? <laughs> <laughs> Spider Man doesn't spin. Well, he spins on a web. He spins webs. He yeah. Spins web. That okay. And he's. So at the time in the eighties, like the toys were king. You know, you had to get a toy, and Marvel was trying to get a yeah, toy. Yeah, girls didn't exist except to sell strawberry shortcake and like Reggie dolls that man. like peed themselves at. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, Teddy yeah. Ruxpin. My big Teddy sister Ruxpin. had one of those. Those god awful things. My, my sister was is, is, was born in the early eighties, so she had like the different and. Biggest the biggest way that you could like promote your toy is having some sort of like tie-in, and Marvel Transformers of of being like yo, what if we what if we had a tie-in to our toy line, (laughs) and so they pitched across they pitched something that that had never happened before yet uh, in comics, which is Secret Wars, which is the first. Technically, the first comic book yeah, crossover. Yeah, Secret Wars. Yeah. Oh, isn't that the yeah. thing they're trying to do? That's with the thing the... They're, they're trying to build up to now. Yeah, a little. With the movies, but like in a, I have no idea what the direction they're going in because none of the Secret Wars characters exist. It's gonna be bad. The Russos. Yeah, yeah. yeah Secret Wars boring. was just like cooked up to as as a marketing gimmick, basically, right? Yes. Like, and this movie it is was, going to be in that theoretical movie is going to be a marketing gimmick. It was a tie-in 
to the upcoming, I believe it was Mattel uh, toy line. However, uh, they got, I believe it was, it was, I believe it was Jim Shooter, who is an awesome guy. Uh, Jim Shooter rocks who wrote the, uh, the secret wars comic. Uh, he actually started writing comics when he was like 12, uh, and, and got a, he was working at Marvel when he was like 16. Uh, in fact, he was like editor in chief before he could drink. Uh, and holy shit. <laughs> yeah. He was, I've he heard was the a, name. Jim he was Shooter, a prodigy, yeah. uh, a prod prodigy. Sorry. I can't talk today. Uh, and he what he was editor in chief at Marvel and was like so hated uh, in part because he was really specific about the kind of stories that he wanted to tell and had a he was a, he was a very autorist uh, individual and uh, they they burned effigies uh, at meetings of him because they hated him so much because he was always <laughs> interfering with his with the stories but he got to write Secret Wars damn okay and. Uh, you know, long, long story short, in the, in the story, the only thing that happens to Spider-Man in the, the story of any note is he gets the black suit. And this was pitched in part to, uh, to give uh, the toy designers something to sell with. Uh, to sell and toys. In, yeah, and it. in part to depart. Yeah, to sell, to sell toys. And in part to, uh, to depart from the sort of what they felt was the stale... Uh, constant of Spider-Man because sales were they, they were they were they were slipping a little bit, but you know it wasn't. Yeah, uh, it wasn't an attempt to shake things up. Exactly. New black so they were, suit, yeah, your black Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And the black Spider-Man, suit was, but he's black. The black suit was actually based on a piece of fan mail, and in another shame oh, on, shame on Marvel moment is they only paid the guy about two hundred and fifty dollars for. Uh, the design in the original design, the, the spider on the costume was not white; it was red. Um, oh, that's nice. That's like that's. It's, really it's a fantastic draw. If you, uh, I'll have to see if I can find the fan letter, but uh, it was, it was a fantastic draw. Like the guy was super talented, and then yeah, he only got paid like a hundred, two hundred bucks from from Marvel to invent the black suit. He he basically created Venom, created the symbiote suit. Uh, you know, half of Spider-Man of modern Spider-Man doesn't exist without this guy, and uh, I believe that they gave him a shout out in Spider-Man Three, at least, and they like let him come to the premiere. But I'm not a hundred percent about that. Man, that see, uh, that's that's such a bummer, man. I know. Like, give the guy a job. He should have. He should have gotten a job. He should have been. He should. He should be a millionaire by uh, at least. A so did did the symbiote. And Venom come with the 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 drawing as an idea, or was it just? It was actually what Spider-Man it was, looked like it was, was just suit? it was just the design. I I don't actually remember what the contents of the letter were, but they did. Uh, Jim Shooter was the one to come up with the fact that this this would be uh, a piece of uh, originally it was a piece of alien technology that he just found uh, in an abandoned building, and then when they returned as to Earth, uh that's when the Spider-Man comics resumed and you see the beginning of the symbiote arc, which would this basically is the define, origin of Venom. It is. It is. And it lasts, yeah. you know, in, in Spider-Man three, they make it look like it's like, he has it for like a week or something like that, but it was almost the whole decade where he had the black suit. Um, really that, that long while well, they kind of oh, gradually he was super build up emo to this for 10 years. reveal. 
Yeah, I believe yeah, his, his goth phase he, went for a long time. Like, did changes in tone and story come with the suit change? It did. Uh, that 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 was sort of a a darker uh, shift, especially in the series Web of Spider Man, which I believe was direct market only, so you couldn't you couldn't get it on uh, on the um, on the newsstands. It was just something that showed up. Uh, in comic books, and that was 1985 when Web of Spider-Man debuted, and it was a much darker tone. Uh, it was actually, it was, I believe, it was written by. I don't, I don't know if it was Shooter. I'm actually, I'm going to pull up the uh, the comic right here. Uh, it was Louise Simons. It was a, a woman actually that that wrote uh, wrote the Web oh, of shit. Spider-Man. I believe. At least I believe Louise Simonson is a woman. Yeah, how yeah. how many women uh, after the have been involved with like the 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 main the, the big popular superhero comics at this point as writers uh, or editors? Probably none. Not not a yeah, lot. I, I at least it was Spider Man. Louis Louis Simons. I know the name. Uh, I just didn't didn't recognize the spelling. Uh, she's great. She did X Factor. Uh, she did the, the original X Factor run where the. Uh, original group of X-Men essentially move out of the mansion and start their own business. Uh, this this title ended up being popular than the cool. main X-Men title for a while. Uh, it was where you had like the back half of the Phoenix Saga play out. You had the introduction of Apocalypse. Okay, yeah. uh, and so you have this Web of Spider-Man comic, which... Um, is the darkest the darkest probably single point in a mainstream Spider-Man comic, and you're seeing a lot more mature storylines. Uh, Web of Spider-Man is where Last Hunt happens. Uh, it is what's also- what's Last Hunt? Last Hunt is a very famous uh, Spider-Man set of stories where it actually takes place after the. Uh, the symbiote i believe i haven't I, it's been a while since i've read it um but uh spider-man is captured by craven the hunter who puts him through all these sort of uh dark experiments to prove that he is better than spider-man in every single way uh and then he murders spider or at least he thinks he's murdered spider-man uh buries him in a, in a shallow grave and then uh, assumes Spider-Man's identity uh, and does such a poor job at it that he ends up killing himself and then uh, after what? after Spider-Man wow. yeah, yeah okay. he, he fucks Holy up shit. Spider-Man <laughs> Spider-Man breaks out and he shoots himself in the head with a shotgun and I, I'm so shoot. fucking <laughs> bad at being Spider-Man I'm gonna pull a Kurt Cobain good yeah <laughs> It's uh, it's Kevin Feige. Try adapting that, you coward. Yeah. It's it's never gonna happen, which is so no, messed up. absolutely not. Um, and Web of Spider Man's great. You've got a lot of a lot of great stuff in there. And finally, towards I believe in in the end of the nineties, I'm gonna have to look up when this dropped. If this was in, we gotta we gotta I gotta figure out when uh, when Todd when my boy Todd shows up. When the Dark Wizard himself, um, <laughs> Todd McFarlane. I should go up. through and read Spawn like 
uh, actually i tried it i I tried it uh it's 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 a tough read but it is it is fun is it Uh, is it is it just like like a lot of like you know i'm so cool badass kind of a lot of it's it's, it's that and then it's a lot of like just the dark, just like the the most twisted. Like, oh, dude, what if a what if a child molesting a serial killer? <laughs> what if a child nice? Yeah. Like, so I've I've seen the HBO series, which I remember it is very much that. But I remember liking mm-hmm. it a lot. But the HBO series is like fairly briskly paced. It is, yeah, and it's cutting um, through so much. Like, <laughs> they're doing. I think they, they get it, through like the first hundred issue in that show because uh, the pacing of of ta- of. Uh, spawn is is a little bit slow. Uh, yeah, I get the feeling to Todd McFarlane, skilled artist, not a great writer. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> that's that's pretty on the money. So, um, okay. So in the eighties, uh, obviously, gets rid of the black suit. Uh, Venom does not show up immediately after that actually the, the black suit kind of just fucks off at uh at issue 258 and then you have another 50 issues uh before venom shows up in issue 300 uh which came out in, yeah in holy shit and then yeah i had i had no idea that he wore that black suit for so long he that, did that venom as a character was off he did was 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 was, was, was a thing so much later at I, be- I I want to say it, it was it was several years, it was like five years or something like that and then towards after he loses the costume uh, his off and on girlfriend at the time Black Cat actually uh, gives him a cloth version of the black costume uh, I believe the wedding actually takes uh, place buying his clothes for him costume. yeah no that I need, huh. need me a shorty like that for real <laughs> uh, she 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 stole that from Neiman Marcus actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, black cap. She just shoplifts. Yeah, she's, yeah I, I, shoplifts the idea, from Sephora. <laughs> the idea of her sewing an entire costume just doesn't doesn't track with what we know about her. Um, yeah, she mopped and, that. And yeah, so you see him sort of flipping back and forth between the two, the the black cloth costume and the regular costume. I'm not sure if there's any reason for that. I actually haven't read a lot of this period. Um, mostly just the highlights because on my Spider-Man read through, I'm on, uh, I'm just shy of issue 200. So, and the black suit oh, okay. does not show up until about 220, I believe. No, 230 or actually 252. And then, um, it is, it, he gets rid of it in... Uh, well, there's a time skip in the books because there was another mainline Spider-Man book. Uh, there's, there's there's a lot of a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you gotta sort of bounce around in this time period because this is the '80s is when people were like, okay, you have to read five comic books to get the full story. Now. That's that's when they started doing yeah. So you're you're splitting X-Men into multiple different exactly books yeah. and and you're. You're doing a lot more of these uh, crossovers. Yeah, this was uh, in addition to like the big events, like Secret Wars. I believe Spider-Man was at four, three or four books at the in the eighties. Uh, he had how, he had one. How did fuck did people keep track of what was going on? You know, it would tell you at the end. It would be like, oh, go, oh, to, yeah, yeah, go to this those one. little. Yeah, it would be like go go to okay, go to this one, and they would come out on different different weeks. 
So one week you would get, and it, it helped fill the gap because these would all have different creative teams. So, uh, so they're not all they're not all coming out at the same time. No, through it's like one week's this, one week's that, yeah. and it all stitches together. And okay. so it it would it would feel like time was always moving because it would come out in like week to week like a TV show almost, although with with rotating uh, creative teams. It'd be like if you had like five TV shows and each week one had an episode. Exactly. And they're all interconnected. Okay. Yeah. And so then uh, in there's there's briefly a just self-titled uh, Spider-Man series. Oh, wait, no, I'm getting ahead. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, so 19, the, the end of the 90s or the end of the 80s is when Todd McFarlane comes on uh, and he writes or i'm sorry he um he draws the book from for a pretty long time he he does it from uh issue 298 until um until 328 which is a decent a decent run for a for an artist and he is where uh you see uh the first appearances of venom in issue 300 uh is the first appearance of venom and what year is that like where does that land us chronologically that is the uh that is 1980 at the tail end of i'm sorry at the beginning of 1988 uh which is okay about a it's it's a couple it's it's about two years after he gets rid of the suit. The alien costume first shows up in eighty four. So you can see that there's a big a big gap. Yeah, four years. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh between the costume showing up and uh and the first appearance of Venom. The first appearance of Venom is a fantastic comic book. Uh Spider Man issue three hundred is absolutely one of the best uh, single issues of Spider-Man because it's written from the perspective of Mary Jane. And even though, and, and, oh, I, I should point out, uh, Eddie Brock as a character had been in the comics for some years now. Uh, I believe Eddie Brock showed up in like 85 or something like that. Um, okay. And he is, he, he is a rival photographer that's then disgraced. Uh, very similar to in uh in Spider-Man 3 however um the uh Eddie Eddie first show yeah let's see Eddie Eddie shows up in 86 okay so and so there's a full 2 years of him in the comics before he even gets the Venom costume uh and it, it the, the disgracing happens over a uh like a the ch- the hunt for a serial killer or something like that uh it's it's weird stuff. It's a it's a big uh, big depart from what it's traditionally uh, adapted into, and the the uh, issue three hundred is done from the perspective of uh, of Mary Jane, who all we all we see is the aftermath of of his visit, and he doesn't like mess with anything. He doesn't do anything. He just like essentially like shows up to his house and like sits on his couch just to like fuck with his wife and then be like, I'm going to kill your husband. Yeah, it it rocks because uh, because there 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 is this great uh, Venom is a great that that is a bit of that like horror bleed in still that you mentioned earlier. 
it's it's a downright terrific it's downright terrifying uh it is like it's still not like McFarland's still not on his a game just yet i think it takes him another like year before he really steps into his own so there's some weird line work mary jane has like huge anime eyes uh in it but the, the issue, <laughs> She's got the issue itself big, big is moe eyes. yeah just a little bit they're they're a little big and uh but what he does do very well is the uh before we even know what venom looks like we know that he looks like spider-man because when he comes in later wearing the black cloth suit uh it, it causes her to have a flashback to the to the events that just happened and okay yeah and how how is venom different in how he originally appears versus how he's usually portrayed aside from this some of these uh lore elements a, a lot a lot different uh for example part of the hatred comes from the fact that uh i'm actually i'm actually wrong i'm talking out of my ass here uh they do show what venom looks like in the issue beforehand i forgot about that but in issue 300 we, we're just seeing mary jane's perspective in the aftermath of him uh pulling up on his crib i believe the terminology that's the terminology there and so with venom um the the character is is very different uh it is the biggest difference is that the the symbiote is as much a part of the hatred as the actual character because yes there is the the disgrace you know he did get kicked out of the daily bugle but part of the reason why it's specifically related to spider-man is because the the venom symbiote you know is a jilted lover uh it it got it it got kicked to the curb and that's also how he knows who Peter is, is because the symbiote has a memory of being with Peter that then Eddie is able to access. So, it, okay, it's it's like a an ex-girlfriend. It all, exactly. It is, it is a very much a, uh, a former lover that, uh, that then now oh, that's has, weird. A new, has a new man and but he's she's still she's still got the baggage and then uh venom is sort of an off again uh on again antagonist throughout the the entire follow-up uh in the 90s and the real biggest change you have to the comics world in the 90s is that the indie market is more or less solidified uh there's less companies just going on yeah well we've um well, on that note, I think we'll leave it here because yeah. it's getting pretty late. And we will uh, – when's a good time to reconvene for a part two? Um, yeah, because it's it's 11.30 on my end. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. We, we ran long. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I'm mean, sorry. It was, it was riveting. Yeah. I got to learn uh, that Spider-Man is actually cool. <laughs> yeah, no, Spider-Man <laughs> turns out, like, Turns out there are cool things that happen in Marvel Comics. That you're never <laughs> yeah. gonna see because Disney never. owns the rights. They're, they're way too cool for a Disney movie. Way too cool. Uh, like a yeah, you're, no. you're not well. Maybe we'll get like an old. Well, definitely with a how how fucking old is a uh what's his name Tom Holland. Joe Jaina. Like, oh no, not Tom Holland. Uh, oh. uh Whiplash. <laughs> I can't believe uh, I'm blanking oh, on that. I, yeah. I know this. God damn. Uh, Jonah Jameson. Uh, uh, we're gonna see. We're, he's gonna come back, and he's gonna be. He's, he's already old. 
They're gonna make him older as shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, how am I forgetting this name? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, it's, 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 it's uh, uh, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. okay, yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound like it, it's something almost as similar as J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's just a few. Just, just kidding, Simmons. Bookie. Yeah. Um, he's 68, so he, he was a great, he was a great, uh, yep, slightly he was a great Jay Jonah in the Raimi movies. Oh, he's, he was, he was great. fantastic. All the casting is, is great. I like when, it, when my only gripes with the movie are like incredibly minor specific things. I, I think it's great. Like, especially with the movie's cast, it's all spot on. Like the, really the only, the biggest complaint I have is I just wish that they, uh, that they gave, um, Norman Waves in the movie. I think that 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 really was a was a lost opportunity because uh, never but it's, it's Big Dick Willie. It's Big Dick it Willie is. Defoe. He's no? he's fantastic. <laughs> Everything else about the everything movies. he's in is great. Yeah. Well, I would say everything he's in is great because no. he's he's great in everything. He's great yeah. in everything. <laughs> he's, he's an awful. He's in speed say that That's too. fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. he's great. He, yeah. But um, never mind. I got to watch "To Live and Die in L.A." At some point. Oh, it's great. Uh, that uh, that actually, I watched that movie, and then I was in the train station from it. I was like trying to figure out where I knew the train station from. It was a very funny uh, moment, and I'm like, I know I've I've seen this, but I've seen someone die in this train station, and I don't. Know what <laughs> you, you thought you were having like a, a vision of a, a little bit. <laughs> Living in Vancouver, though, that was pretty constant feeling. <laughs> that was the whole time we were watching Alone in the Dark in a House of the Dead. You were just pointing like, oh, I've been in that alley. Yeah. Literally, I've been drunk and peed in that alley. <laughs> yeah, you, um, you literally. I don't think I need to record like a proper outro. So, uh, no. Yeah. All right, I'll Miguel, stop if you're recording. listening to this, here's end of part Bye. one. Bye. Bye. End of part one. Oh, Miguel, play that the Japanese Spider-Man theme. A Spider-Man, a Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. It spins a 